Hi, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Tell It From Calvary, a ministry of Calvary Baptist Church, New York City, with the goal of engaging the city and impacting the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. Abraham Joseph. If you want to know more about Calvary Baptist Church and its ministries, head over to www.cbcnyc.org. Let's go to God in prayer. Uh, Would you unite your hearts with me? Our Father and our God, worthy are you to receive all glory and honor from every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them. Thank you for the privilege you've given us this morning to gather for that in which one day all creation will join us. We look forward to that day with great certainty because of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who has accomplished our salvation through his death and his resurrection. We anticipate that day with great joy, even as we live in light of it today by the power of your Holy Spirit, whom you gave to indwell us, to unite us to Jesus, and adopt us in him as your precious children. Our great God and creator, what a great privilege you have bestowed on us that we should be your children and call upon you as our Abba, our Father, and that is who you are. Our Father, it's it's all the more grievous that we who are recipients of such astounding benefits should continue to sin against you in our thoughts, our words, our deeds. We confess that we who have been rescued from slavery to sin to be your servants live as though sin is still our master. Instead of yielding ourselves to your Holy Spirit who forms Christ in us, we yield to the flesh that profits nothing. We continue to listen to the lies of the wicked one. We have lacked reverence for you and your word. We confess you with our lips, but deny you with our deeds. We lack the courage to acknowledge and live by your truth and allow falsehood and half-truths to have their way in us and in our relationships. Our ideals and our pleasures are no different from those who have not experienced your kindness. We confess our cynicism, pride, arrogance, cruel indifference, and failure to share your indignation over injustice. Forgive us for these and our many other sins for the sake of your Son who is the propitiation for our sins and according to your great promise. Help us by your spirit to do justice, to love kindness, and walk humbly before you as witnesses to Jesus Christ, our Savior. Our Father, in your great mercy, you have appointed us as a kingdom of priests to intercede for the world before your throne of grace. We pray for all who are in authority over nations According to your will, please remove from power those who abuse their authority and fail to rule their people with benevolence and righteousness. Thank you that you will hold them accountable for their governance. We pray for the end to the war and violence in Ukraine. We pray for peace in Niger and Gabon, where military coups threaten war with neighboring nations. We pray for those who are suffering the aftermath of disasters, the fire in Maui, those who are affected by Hurricane Idalia. Our Father, we ask for your mercy for the resolution of the migrant crisis at the border and in our cities in a just and merciful manner. Grant our federal, state, and city authorities the wisdom, compassion, and resources to address this humanitarian crisis. Help us as your people to respond in ways that convey the love of Christ and your generosity to these migrants who above all are your image bearers. We pray for Calvary. Thank you for your kindness in calling us to be your witnesses in this great city to which you have have brought the world. Help us to be faithful to the mission to engage the city and impact the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for our brother and sister who shared uh, what you are doing in and through them in a a place where uh, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is despised or not known. We pray for your protection and your provision for them. And I pray that uh, uh, you would use their witness through their work to draw people to yourself, uh, both people in that nation and those who have sought refuge there to come to know Christ as their Savior. We pray for your comfort for Jim Cook, who grieves the death of his beloved wife, Irene. Comfort him with the truth that he will see her again at the resurrection, perfected in glory because of the Lord Jesus Christ to whom she belongs and in whose presence she rejoices even now. Thank you for your kindness in bringing Emerson home to his family. Please continue to heal him and raise him back on his feet. 
We ask for your mercy for Bethan Moles and Laura Rodriguez who are at the end stage of ALS. Comfort and strengthen David and Stephen as they care for their spouses. We seek your provision for Jonathan and, and John and others who seek employment. We pray for the safety of those who are involved in the construction of our building on West 57. Grant us an alternate interim space according to your will. Meanwhile, please help us by your Holy Spirit to grow in our faith, in our obedience, and in our witness to the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose glorious name we pray these things with the words he taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you all. Uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, welcome. Uh, I want to, I hope I don't embarrass her, but we had a first-time visitor last time who not only came back this week, but brought another friend with her. So that's the ideal visitor there. And also I saw a couple of members who have uh, returned after a long time. Uh, I'm grateful that God has granted them health to return. Good to have you with us. Let's go to God in prayer before we look to his word. Oh, one more thing. Uh, Laura is finally here as a New Yorker. Uh, so are the dogs, and I find myself picking dogs here from my clothes, but that's all right. <laughs> Let's pray. Our Father and our God, what a glorious privilege we have this morning to be in your presence to worship the God who is light, who has rescued us from darkness and brought us into the glorious light of the kingdom of your Son by shining his face upon us that has broken through the darkness and the blindness of our hearts and souls toward him uh, that was imposed on us by our enemy and in our own rebellion. Thank you that in Jesus Christ we have been set free to be your children, to be forgiven, to have you as our master, and to be freed from the bonds of sin and death and the devil. We thank you for your great and merciful work for us. We pray, Father, that as those who have received such grace, that we would respond to that by living in a way that demonstrates to others that we belong to you, a God of justice, a God of mercy, and that your ways would be made known through us, even as the psalm that we are considering today tells us. For we ask in the name of your Son, please do this in us, according to your word, by your Spirit. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We come to the last uh, Sunday of, uh, of our summer in the Psalms. We called it a few of our favorites. The hour there uh, are our pastors, me and Pastor Tim and Pastor Jim. So you heard from Psalm 16, 20, 23, 11, Psalm 96, and last week uh, Psalm 1 from Pastor uh, Jim, and today we're going to look at Psalm 67. Uh, there are 150 psalms. That's three years' worth of sermons. Uh, others have suggested that why don't, why don't we uh, hear from this one and that one? And yes, we have lots of psalms that we can look at, and I've taken your suggestions into, considerations, into consideration and look forward to uh, sharing from those psalms as well. But this morning we are looking at uh, Psalm 67, it's my favorite because it speaks to my calling by God to be a missionary uh, as one who teaches God's word to make him known. Uh, so this psalm is, is first of all a, a, mission, a psalm on missions, a, a missional psalm. It, en it envisions God's salvation extending to the ends of the earth, resulting in all the earth giving praise to God. As a, as a missionary, it gives meaning to that calling in our lives that uh, through our feeble effort, God's name is proclaimed to the ends of the earth, resulting in God's praise from peoples from everywhere, even as our brother and sister shared with us this morning. Secondly, this psalm, uh, as all of Scripture, reveals the unity of Scripture, the unity and continuity of God's purpose for creation. God's purpose hasn't changed for creation. From creation to new creation, God's purpose is that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And God will bring that about, and Psalm 67 shows us how he does that. Some have called this, um, well, before we do that, as usual, a few questions to get your thinking. Um, what is the recent blessing that you received from God? You woke up today. Yes, at least someone is, one person is awake. Uh, <laughs> 
a home to live in. John, thank you. A good new job. Yes, healing from surgery. Retirement. Yes. Yes, our uh, joy in seeing God bring home a man who had been in the hospital for over two years uh, after that accident. Uh, it's God at work. What else? Yes, back there. Your hair grew one inch. Hey, God knows every hair on our head, and I give him less work so that he can grow yours. So, uh, Yes, uh, Luis. Every day, praise the Lord. I can, we can go on forever for the rest of the service seeking uh, to know how God has blessed you. But here's another question. Uh, were you able to bless others with that blessing that you received, that you acknowledge? If so, how? You have a car and you were able to give others a ride. By reminding others how good to be alive. I think the book of Ecclesiastes has something to say about that, right? It's better to be alive something than a dead something else. <laughs> what else? Through prayers. Answers are a little slower to come on this question. So maybe even a more difficult question. Uh, how is God glorified in the blessings that you acknowledged this morning? Boasted in Christ. Okay? Yes. Bring people together for the purpose for which we are made, to worship. It's good. Well, Psalm 67 has been called a communal prayer for blessing. It's also been called a prayer for the blessing of the nations. Others have called it a prayer for God's name to be praised by all peoples. Well, which one is it? It's all three. Because it's a prayer for Israel, by Israel, that Israel will be blessed, but so that Israel's blessing would be a blessing for the nations, and all that towards the glory of God. So that the blessing sought for Israel in the psalm is toward the blessing of the nations with the saving knowledge of, God, of the God of Israel, and therefore ultimately his praise among the nations, even to the ends of the earth. Uh, we see this in the repetition of the words, nations and peoples, earth and ends of the earth in the psalm as we read it together. The right understanding of Psalm 67, as with any other scriptures, requires us to be conversant with the whole counsel of God. Uh, that's why some of us are doing this study on, on Thursday nights called a big picture uh, story of, of God's, uh, God's uh, big picture in the scriptures, and other groups are going to start that study as well. This psalm demonstrates the unity of the scriptures uh, as it requires us to know the big, big picture of God's word in order to rightly understand the psalm. Uh, there's one divine author who has given us the scriptures through 40-some human authors. All 66 books come together to tell the one great grand story of God's creation, human fall, God's redemption, and God's anticipated renewal of all creation. Uh, therefore, we shouldn't be surprised that Scripture helps us to interpret Scripture. Throughout Scriptures, we hear quotations and allusions and echoes of other passages of Scripture that help us to understand that passage which we are studying. And Psalm 67 is no exception. We hear the echoes of two central passages in the Scripture, and the knowledge of these two passages are essential for a proper understanding of the Psalm. The first is the blessing that God gave to Moses to give to Aaron to proclaim upon his people in Numbers chapter 6, one of my favorite benedictions. The second is the Abrahamic covenantal blessings in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. So let's look at these two passages before we go to the psalm itself. We read in Numbers 6, 22 to 27, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. We are very familiar with verses 23 to 25, but the most important verse here is verse 26, where God says that the priest shall put his name, God's name, upon the people, identifying them as God's people. God is the God of Abraham. God is the God of Isaac. God is the God of Jacob. God is the, uh, the God of every individual Israelite. So put his name upon them, just as we put the name of God, the triune name of God upon the people whom we baptize. That when we baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we are not reciting a formula, but we are identifying them as the people who belong to God and God as who, one who belongs to them. So God has instructs them that they shall put their name, since they belong to Him, God will bless them. God's blessings come in a covenantal relationship. It's a covenantal blessing that is proclaimed upon God's people. Uh, the second passage is Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Uh, now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who honors you I will curse, and in, uh, dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. If we saw the Numbers passage, it, it, it seems as though the focus is exclusively on Israel. Uh, let Israel be blessed. But Numbers comes much later than the initial promise that is given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And the Numbers passage has to be understood in, chap in, in, in light of the Genesis 12 passage. Israel is blessed as part of the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham that he and his descendants will be blessed. But that's not the end. That's the means to God's intended end, which is to bless all people with the blessings that is received by God's people so that the ends of the earth, may, all the nations may praise Him. Because God is not just the God of Israel, He's the God of all nations. His intent has always been to bless all the nations, even if He does it through a special covenantal relationship with His chosen people, Israel. Psalm 67 brings these two key texts together and reminds Israel of the universal ends of its particular calling and blessing. See, ultimately our uh, understanding of Psalm 67 is not complete until we see how it points us to Jesus. Our Lord himself claimed in Luke 22:44 that everything written about him in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Psalm 67 to then points us to Jesus and how it is in Him that all of God's blessings are to be found and experienced and passed on to others. In addition to knowing these underlying texts, we also uh, should know the structure of Psalm 67 which helps us to understand the psalm. Uh, it's a literary structure where uh, initial thoughts uh, are uttered and then repeated in reverse order after the central idea is expressed. So that in verses 1 and 2, we have a prayer for Israel to be blessed so that nations may come to know the ways of God. And then the second thought is in verse 3, uh, which is also repeated in verse 5, uh, that the motivation that Israel should be blessed so that other nations would come to know the ways of God is that God's praise may be found among all peoples. Then we come to the central idea, central thought of the psalm, which is in verse 4. And after the central thought is shared, uh, the first two thoughts are repeated in reverse order. So verse 5 is exactly the same as verse 3. It's a call uh, or it's a, it's a desire that God's name would be praised by all peoples. And then the last two verses repeat the prayer of the first two verses, but with some supplemented information as well of the proof of God's blessings and the desire that all people would fear God and worship Him. So turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 67. We start, uh, we look at it in four sections. The first prayer, then the motivation for the prayer in verses 3 and 5, the basis for the blessings that are sought and the praise that would follow in verses 6, uh, verse 4, and then the, and the prayer repeated in verses 6 and 7 with, with, and supplemented. So turn with me to 67. We read in verses 1 and 2, 
May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. What do you hear? What do you hear? Number six. Number six. If you are well versed with the scripture, as soon as you hear these words, you see this is the Aaronic blessing that God asked Moses to give to the priests to proclaim upon his people. Uh, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah, that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. God is mentioned indirectly in verse 1, but God is addressed directly in verse 2. May God be gracious. May your way be known on the earth, your saving power among all the nations. So verses 1 and 2 begin with a prayer for God to bless Israel and end by stating the reason for seeking that blessing. See, blessing is not some loose thing that we ask for God and that he bestows on anyone. The blessing of God is a covenantal term, as we saw even in the Genesis 12 passage. The blessings that are sought here in this prayer are God's grace and God's relational presence. Blessings from God can only be enjoyed in relationship with God. The emphatic place... Placement of the word God and grace gives us the, the, the focus of this prayer. We clearly hear the echoes of the blessing in number six. This is a prayer of a people in covenant relationship with God. The order of the blessings are a little different in Psalm 67 uh, from the blessings in number six. Uh, the first blessing that is, Psalm, that is sought here is God's grace, God's unmerited favor for his people. We can't go before God with any sense of entitlement. Anything we receive from God is by His grace. And that is what is sought first, His undeserved favor. And also, while the blessing in Numbers passage is pro proclaimed by the priest and, and pronounced by the priest upon God's people, here it is a congregational prayer in Psalm 67. So the blessing is turned into a prayer uh, in, this, in this psalm. And God's favor, God's blessings, God's grace are not sought as something apart from him, but in a delightful relationship with him. So they request God's face to shine upon them. See, some of our faces, like mine, shine for no reason. And we try to diffuse the shine. But when you speak of God's face shining, it's, it's a sign of God's favor, God's delight with us. God uh, is the smiling face that you encounter uh, when you meet uh, someone. So God's face signifies God's presence. It's a request for God to be favorably disposed toward them. Um, for God to smile upon them. So the congregation prays, favor us, O God. Bless us, O God. Shine your face upon us, O God. It doesn't seem all that different from the prayers probably you and I prayed this morning, does it? But there is a difference in this psalm, and it's found in verse 2. See, the Numbers passage concluded, as we saw, with God's name being put on Israel so that Yahweh would bless them. But Psalm 67 concludes with a reason why this blessing is sought. The prayer for the blessing here in verse 1 is not self-centered or self-serving. Uh, the congregation doesn't seek it just for its own good, for its own joy, or for its own happiness, but it seeks that it may be blessed for universal blessedness. The prayer that Israel be blessed with God's unmerited favor in the context of a delightful relationship with Him is not an end in itself, but a means toward the end stated in verse 2, that God's saving ways may be made known to all the nations. Amen. What are God's ways? Those, that's His character expressed in His actions. Uh, God's ways are all that God does because of who God is. So God, in His promise to Abraham, states that He would be blessed so that the nations would be blessed in Him. That has been His intent all along. The nations belong to Him. Ultimately, God's ways are for the purpose of the salvation of all people. And Israel prays that God's character and God's works will be so evident in their lives, in their relationship with God, that all the nations will recognize and desire that that God be their God, and they would experience that salvation that only that God gives. So how are God's ways made visible to others? It's through His people, but how specifically uh, Israel's covenant relationship with God and His experience of His covenant blessings will be made visible to nations when Israel lives in covenant obedience 
to his revealed will. When the nations see God's just and compassionate and holy ways made visible in his people and how they conducted their lives in their relationship with one another, with outsiders, then what Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 4 would come true. Moses writes in Deuteronomy 4, 5 through 8, in the second giving of the law, he says, See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, why? That you should do them in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them. Why? For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us, whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today. See, God's saving ways are made known to the nations when his people who enjoy his covenant and his gracious blessings live in covenant faithfulness, demonstrating his saving relationship with him. How about us? You know, we too have been brought into a saving relationship with God by his grace. He has shown his face upon us in the face of our Lord Jesus, as we saw in the song and in the scripture that was read to us. God has been gracious to us. God has blessed us. God shines his face upon us through his presence with us by his spirit. The question for us, will his saving ways and his power at work in us be made known through us in how we live, how we relate to one another? Verses 3 and 5 are exactly the same. They state the desired end of the blessings of Israel that are sought in verse 1 and 2. That Israel will be blessed so the nations will recognize the saving works of the God of Israel. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. See, the prayers of the first two verses are means to the end that God will be praised by all the peoples. Every blessing of God, especially the blessing of a right relationship with Him, is toward the end that God will be made known to all people, through His people, leading to God's praise. Because people will come to know that our God is their God too. Uh, I love that well-known uh, saying of John Piper, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church, he says. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and goal of missions. It's the goal of missions because in missions we simply aim to bring the nations into white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the people in the greatness of God. Where did he get that idea? From Psalm 67, verses 3 to 5. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Israel seeks God's blessing so that the nations may know their God, leading to their praise of him who is their God too. So Romans 1 tells us the, the world is so messed up because the world neither recognizes God nor glorifies him or gives thanks to him. Psalm 67 seeks that the nations will recognize and praise the God who made them when they see his saving ways made visible in the lives of his people, who are in covenant relationship with him. Uh, this is the anticipation of the New Testament as well, that people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every creature of God join in this universal praise, and, and they, will, they will, for God will do it. You see this in Revelation 5, verse 13. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the way that God does it is by blessing us so that through us others may be blessed, that they too may know God's saving ways. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Psalm 67 tells us that the, the means by which God will bring about his universal praise is through the blessing of his covenant people who make visible his saving ways through their lives. But what does it mean that the nations will know the ways of God? What are his ways that are experienced and expressed by his people? See, the basis of the blessings of Israel that bring about universal praise among the nations is revealed in verse 4. 
Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Why? For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Uh, this is the heart of Psalm 67. It's the central theological idea. It's, it gives the reason, it gives the basis on, uh, for the blessings that are sought by Israel and how those blessings will translate into recognition of God's ways by the nations who join them in praising the God of all creation. God's ways are just. That's what it means that he judged the peoples with equity. He rules the people with justice. You know, you've seen those uh, stickers that says, got milk. Uh, a better sticker would be say, would say, got justice. Every problem in this world is because of a lack of justice, whether it's personal relationships. Um, we see justice as a negative term. I loved how Tim Keller uh, defined uh, justice. He says, love for neighbor treating them as they ought to be treated because they are God's people. What is surprising in Psalm 4 is that who God is and what God does for Israel, we are told that God is and does for all nations. He not only governs Israel with equity, he not only guides Israel, with, uh, uh, but he also is that to all people. Who he is and what he does for Israel, he also is and does for Israel for all the nations. So the content of, the God's, of God's blessings and the grounds of the delight of all people in, in, the, God, in the God of Israel are twofold, uh, at least in this psalm, his governance and his guidance. Uh, God governs the world with equity or justice. God's sovereign rule is made evident among his chosen people uh, by how he as justly and fairly uh, con uh, conducts his relationship with them and also reveals his just and uh, equitable ways to them. His ways are always just and fair. Moreover, he leads them like a shepherd leads his flock. This image of a divine shepherd is, uh, is often used of his relationship with his people, as we saw even in Psalm 23. But here, it is used of God's relationship with all nations. God shepherds all people because all people belong to him. I love Christopher Ashe's comments on this verse. He writes, when the rest of the world looked at the people of God, the way they cared for their land, the way they cared for the poor, the way they loved one another, the overflowing love that they had for the immigrant, the moral order in their respect for marriage, the contentedness that was so different from the covetousness all around, then the rest of the world would grasp that there is a good, just, kind, moral, ordered God who is sovereign and working out his purposes in a disordered world. This is the kind of rule that the world longs for and looks in all the right and the wrong places. The only way that the world will know that, that rule, such a rule is available is when they see God's people living in compliance with God's ways. Then they too will desire that the rule of that, the, the rule of that sovereign and benevolent God and his praise among all peoples will be inevitable. Verses 6 and 7 uh, Sorry, I didn't put that up. Verses 6 and 7, um, repeat, restate the, the prayers of verses 1 and 2 and supplement the prayers that are stated there. Uh, the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. A very specific uh, blessing, the harvest, is presented as proof of God's covenant faithfulness to Israel. The harvest is a, is a specific way in which God blesses his people. Uh, the Old Testament is just replete with promises of God in terms of a bountiful harvest as a blessing to his people who are faithful to his covenant. We see this in the law, the prophets, the Psalms. Uh, and, and from the beginning of their history as, as God's people waiting to enter into the promised land and even after their restoration from exile. A key passage is Leviticus 26, verse 4. Before they go into the promised land, uh, if Israel, God promises to Israel that if they obey him, if they observe his ways, he says, then I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. We see that in Psalm 85. When God's people are penitent and obedient, God will bless them, and among the blessings are the increase of the yield of the land. 
It's seen in Ezekiel 34, verse 27, as the, the increase of the land as part of God's future restoration after exile. And in Zechariah 8, verses 12 to 13, it's a sign of the restored covenantal relationship uh, with his people whom he will bring back from exile. Zechariah 8, 12 to 13 is particularly relevant to our psalm that we are looking at today. For there shall be a sowing of peace, the vine shall give its fruit, and the grounds shall give its produce. And the heavens shall give their due, and I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. And here's the key verse. And as you have been a byword of cursing among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so will I save you, and you shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. See, Israel had disobeyed God. They've been unfaithful in their, God, in their relationship with God, in their covenant relationship with God. Instead of experiencing God's blessings, they had become a byword, a curse among the nations into which they were sent into exile. But their just and merciful God, because He is faithful to their covenant relationship, brings them back to the land, promises them the increase in the yield of the land, and He says, just as much as you were a byword, a curse among the nations, not only would you be called a blessed people, but that you would be a blessing to those very nations. See, God's just rule over the nations, His guidance, is demonstrated by His providential provision of a harvest. It's a demonstration of His care for His people. The harvest is not just a natural phenomenon. The, the farmer sowed, it rained, and the, the ground produced the crops. It's a blessing from God in demonstration of His covenantal care for His people. So the congregation in Psalm 67 prays for God's blessings for a good harvest. Why? So that all the ends of the earth will fear Him. That is, worship Him with reverence. The harvest yielded by the, the land will be the first fruits of God's end-time harvest of all nations when He gathers up all nations to Himself so that uh, it would be to the praise of His glory. The material blessing of the harvest points to a greater reality, as it does in all the blessings that we experience. The nations will recognize God's just rule, God's providential care, God's, uh, God's provision. And the nations will recognize that they too could be beneficiaries of God's rule and God's care as much as Israel. I like how Marvin Tate summarizes the message of this psalm in his commentary. He says, this psalm is a prayer for salvation in the widest sense. And not for Israel only, but for the whole world. Israel's blessing is to be a blessing for all men. Here in particular, the psalmist does more than adopt the priestly formula. He claims for Israel the sacerdotal dignity. Israel is the world's high priest. If Israel has the light of God's face, the world cannot remain in darkness. Someone else said, if we are saved and others are not, we have a calling. See, Psalm 67 reiterates and extends the claims of Psalm 33, verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. There should be a comma, not an exclamation mark after that, because the blessedness does not end with God choosing Israel. It is the means by which God would gather up all people to himself, even as he promised to Abraham, and all that toward the praise of his glorious name. The Psalm 67 suggests that Israel did not forget that its election as God's chosen people uh, was so that they may be a channel of blessing to, all, to the nations that would result in God's universal praise. It was through their abiding in God's ways that the nations would know the just and providential ways of God, their Savior. However, sadly, Psalm 67 is not the only Scripture we have, as we see in the rest of the Old Testament, Israel failed miserably to live according to God's ways. Instead of making God's ways known, they sought to imitate the ways of the nations. Instead of being a light to the nations, they became like the nations. Instead of the nations coming to know and fear and worship the God of Israel, the Israelites became idolaters worshiping the false gods of the nations. They forfeited God's blessing and earned God's curse by their unfaithfulness to the stipulation of their covenant, of their covenant relationship with God. So what happens to God's plan to make His name known among the nations, to have His glory cover the face of the earth as the waters cover the sea? 
Are God's purposes thwarted by Israel's unfaithfulness? No, never. See, ultimately the expectations of Psalm 67 are fulfilled only in Jesus. Where Israel failed, where we fell, Jesus fulfills God's ways. He alone did what Israel and what we are called to do but have failed. He alone lived in complete faithfulness, covenant faithfulness to the God of Israel. It is in him that the ways of God, of the, of God the Father are made known to the nations. It is in him that all the blessings of God reside and are experienced through faith in him. God's promise to Abraham that the nations would be blessed through his seed are fulfilled ultimately only in Jesus as Paul tells us in Galatians. It is Jesus who reveals God's just and gracious ways. He is the good shepherd whose flock extends beyond Israel to the people from the east, people from the west, people from the north, people from the north, south. No wonder then we are called to be witnesses of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Because there is no other name by which people may be saved and brought into a right relationship with God. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. Psalm 67 finds its fulfillment only in Jesus. It's in Jesus God has been gracious to us. It's in Jesus God has blessed us. It's in Jesus that God has shined his face upon us, as we heard in the song and the scripture that was read. It's in Jesus God's ways have been made known to us. It's in Jesus God's saving power has brought us into himself. It's in Jesus that God's justice is revealed. It's in, it is Jesus, it is through Jesus that God shepherds us as his people. Well, if we enjoy these blessings of God through Jesus, and we do, then Psalm 67 also calls us to live in such a way that God's ways and his saving power are made known even through us, his people. It is through us, our lives, and our proclamation that God makes himself known to the nation, to the ends of the earth, so peoples everywhere, all the peoples would praise him by calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus and being saved to the praise of his glory. So what are the blessings we enjoy? How do we bless others with the blessings that we have received? How is all this to the praise of God's glory among the nations? First, God has blessed us. Uh, as we heard, uh, we couldn't stop people from sharing how God has blessed them. But the most important blessing is that he has saved us from our sin, our, uh, from death and from the devil. He has made us his children by adopting us in Christ Jesus through his spirit. Uh, the, the salvation is not just something that awaits for us one day when we die, when we get to heaven, but a blessing that is present now. It is our present possession. It's God's grace experienced now. It's God's face shining on us now. God is present in us now through his spirit. God's spirit guides us and directs us in his way so that we may live in a manner worthy of the gospel. We are blessed now. To know that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have the privilege now to enter into God's presence in prayer at any time and call on him, Abba, Father, and he hears us for the sake of Jesus. We are blessed with the fellowship of uh, the brothers and sisters in Christ in whom, with whom we have a relationship now but will last into eternity. And our blessings are not just these spiritual blessings as we call them. All that we have received are we have received by God's grace. In our salvation, we recognize his providence in all things and give thanks to him. Our blessings in life are not circumstantial or accidental or just through our efforts. They are God's gracious provisions. We may earn a living through a well-paying job, but in our relationship with God, we realize that unless God gives us life and health, we will not have the strength to do the job. God places us in families and situations where we can get the education and the training for our employment. He sustains peace in our nations, in our cities, in our streets, so that we can go to work. As believers, we give thanks because like the harvest mentioned in Psalm, in Psalm 67, our jobs, our families, our homes, our income, everything that we have that is good is from our Father above. I can go on and speak about our health, our possessions, our safety, our nationality, our gifts, our talents, our relationships. None of these are accidental or circumstantial, but God's gracious blessings, even if we participated in bringing these about. We work hard, we study, we do the work, but all of these are made possible by God's gracious blessings. It's not just missionaries who live by support. All of us live by God's gracious provision for our needs every day. 
So we are blessed. We are blessed spiritually, we are blessed materially, but as we saw in Psalm 67, these are not an end in themselves, but a means to be a blessing to others. So how do we bless others with the blessings that we have received that people may know God and praise Him? Well, first and foremost, we make Christ known through the testimony of our lips and our lives. Our calling in life is to be a witness to proclaim the hope that is found in Christ alone. It's through faith in Him that, in, that He died for our sins and, and rose again from the dead uh, and that He reigns forever that one is saved and enters into a relationship with God. He alone is Savior. There is none other. He alone is Lord. It's through faith in Him our sins are forgiven and we come into a right relationship with God. This a privilege of proclaiming Christ through word and life is the privilege and calling of every believer. If we are content to be blessed with God and we don't bless others with the good news of Jesus, our blessings have not flown to their intended end, to bless others for God's glory. These blessings, blessing others not limited to words, is proclaimed just as loudly and clearly in how we live in obedience to Christ. We are called to proclaim Christ not just as converts waiting for heaven, but as disciples who obey Christ in all that he has commanded us in our daily lives. We make known the ways of God and the saving power when we bless others with all that God has given us. The spirit-filled life is not limited, as Ephesians tells us, to singing hymns and songs and uh, spiritual songs and psalms. It, it extends to relationships, employment, uh, everything. We bless others with our jobs. Our jobs are not just a means to make a, a livelihood. They are God's provision to bring flourishing uh, for the human race, for, 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 for the world. If we approach our jobs as a means to glorify God by doing good for others, we bless them and we bear witness to them that God is good, God is just, God cares. We saw our brother and sister share, uh, we heard them share how their jobs were the platforms by which they entered into another nation, by which they would bring God's blessings to that nation. And that's true of us with whatever we do here in this city. It's a means of blessing others so that they may experience the goodness of God through us. All of us have known the difference between the fast food employee who could care less about our order and the other one who tells us that it was her pleasure to serve us. Even the sandwich tastes better when it's received from the other person. See, people will see God's ways in us when we freely give of our possessions. The testimony of the church in Acts chapter 2 through 4 how it spread consists not only of their gathering for uh, worship and instruction and fellowship, but in their sharing of their possessions. For the first time in the scripture, we are told uh, a promise that was made all the way in Deuteronomy, where if the God's people had lived the way God had intended it, uh, them to live, there would have been no poor among them. But we have to come all the way to Acts chapter 3 or 4, where we hear there was no needy person among them. Why? Because they shared what they had received from God. See, selfish or stingy attitudes works against our witness because we claim with our mouth that we belong to a generous God. Generosity shows God's heart. Our relationships are another facet of life that will show God's ways to a watching society, how we relate to one another as husbands and wives. If you look in your bulletin, there are a couple of opportunities for married couples to come together and learn how to be witnesses for Christ in their marriage in how we relate as parents and children, in how we treat even our enemies. When we rejoice with those who rejoice and grieve with those who grieve, when we visit the sick and the lonely, when we feed the hungry, when we clothe the naked, when we care for the migrants, when we minister to those in prison, we testify to our relationship with the God who cares for the least among us. Do we do this, church? As a body, as individually, as today, uh, Nearly a dozen of our people were in Long Island City uh, in the pantry for migrants uh, uh, distributing food and clothes. It was an expression of God's love to these people. Our attitudes could also be a blessing to those around us. Our perseverance in the midst of life's struggles, our unwavering hope in the midst of hardship, our sharing in the joys of others' success, all testified to our relationship with God and reveals God's ways to them. 
So for as believers, all of life, all we have in life, all we are in life, are ways of making known our relationship with God so that others too may come to share in that relationship. And all that for the glory of God among the nations. It's through our witness of not just being blessed and sharing how God has blessed us, but by being a blessing to others that God is glorified among the nations. The world is a mess. Just walk outside, you will find out. And the world longs for a peace that only God can bring, and it is looking for that peace, God's just rule, God's saving power in all the wrong places. It, such peace that they seek comes only through a saving knowledge of God, and God in his wisdom has chosen to made, make his ways known to the nations and draw them to himself by blessing his people so that they may bless others. Even as God called Abraham so that he may be that he may bless him to be a blessing, he has called and blessed us, so that through us the nations may be blessed. Will we live in such a way that God's blessings are made known, his ways, his saving power, by how we live, how we treat others? When we live in such a way, uh, it's through that God draws all peoples to himself. Through our witness, God brings praise to himself from all the peoples, and the nations will be glad and sing for joy, and all the ends of the earth will worship our God. See, God's purposes are never thwarted. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. God will bring that about, and he has already begun to accomplish that by blessing us so that we may be a blessing to others for his glory. We see that great picture of the fulfillment of God's glory among the nations in Revelation 21 verses 22 and following and I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb and the city has no need for sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the Lamb by its light will the nations walk and the city and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. This is God's will, and he will do it. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, you will accomplish your purpose. No one will rob you of your glory. Your glory will cover the face of the earth as the waters covers the sea. Meanwhile, we have the privilege to be the means through which you do that even as you have blessed us with the saving relationship with you, so that even through us, the peoples of this world who are lost and hopeless, just as we were, may come to know that you are a God who is merciful and just, a God who has the power to save through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord God, that having experienced your blessings, we will live such lives that the peoples of this world will experience blessedness through our relationships, through how we conduct ourselves, so that they too may come to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior, so that they too may be found among this great gathering of nations and peoples and tribes and tongues to the praise of your glory. Thank you that you're able to do this in our lives as individuals, as a church, and may it be for your glory, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Tell It From Calvary. If you feel led to give toward the local national, and global ministries of Calvary Baptist, please visit cbcnyc.org slash give or call us at 212-975-0170. We hope you join us next time as we continue to tell it from Calvary.